Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Music Podcast with Dave and Neil. Uh, you may recall a while back we spoke with Be Real and Brad Wilk of Prophets of Rage. Uh, for you it was many months ago, <laughs> for us, uh, mere minutes. Mere minutes ago, or minutes forward, uh, and we are stoked to be joined by Mr. Tom Morello. Tom, thank you, man. Thanks, Thanks very much by. for having me. What's up? What, what are you sipping on right now? It's a little tomato juice. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very nice. It looks like a cocktail. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, he's getting sore if, stuff if only, if only it were. <laughs> if only it were. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've obviously, um, you know, been down under a couple of times yeah, now, but uh, quite how, a few, yeah. how are you enjoying? Uh, I always do. I mean, I've, I've had the pleasure of touring Australia with every incarnation of, you know, from <laughs> Rage to Audio Slave to the Night Watchman to Bruce Springsteen and Prophets of Rage. So mm. it's always a pleasure. Yeah. Well, we're very, very happy to have you yeah, here. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, you guys, you are here touring with Profits. Uh, but the thing we really wanted to talk to you about was the fact that uh, you've got a, a brand new sure. Spankin' solo album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, coming out uh, yeah. soon. Yep. September, uh, we're told. That's right, September. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. It's called The Atlas Underground. And the idea was to, uh, the humble ambition was to <laughs> forge a new genre of music. Okay. Uh, to basically take the, you know, kind of the Marshall Stack riff rock, guitar crazy noises that I've do for a living uh, yeah. uh, over the course of the last couple of decades and to meld it with like hard EDM beat it, beats like from Bass Nectar, Pretty Lights, Bauer, Knife Party, and then have some of my f- collaborate with some of my favorite artists from, uh, from you know, Pussy Riot to Wu-Tang Clan, from yeah, K-Flay wow. to Marcus Mumford. Uh, and so it's been a, like over the course of the last couple of years, I've been really working on this and to make a record that my goal was to do something that's like the Hendrix of now. I think there's three component parts to that. One is it has to have very forward-looking guitar playing, sort of extraordinary, like, ear-bending guitar playing. Two, it's got to be songs. Because one of the things, the magic of Hendrix wasn't just that he looked cool and played great guitar, but he had songs that kind of connected with the radio. Uh, and then three is of now. And Hendrix's idiom was uh, blues rock, and the idiom of now is laptop rock, you know, yeah. and being able to create kind of beats and the tension and release that's been in my music all along, but with collaborators who have a different ear and a different production technique. Yeah, I mean, that sounds that sounds sick. I mean, uh, how does something like this... I mean, you talked about you've been working on it for, for a while, yeah, 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 but yeah. was this something you've wanted to do for ages or yeah. was it sort of an epiphany moment? Yeah, it was, it was kind of an epiphany moment. It was actually when I... You know, I had always... I had despised... The, the, in my sort of surface understanding of EDM music, I thought of it as Italian taxi cab music, you know, and just sort of turn <laughs> sure. that Ibiza shit off, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then a, a, a friend turned me on to Knife Party, who, yeah. uh, who have a connection here with us, right? And they, um, and to me, it felt like it was an electronic Rage Against the Machine, like that real, the, the huge drops, the wrist, but it was all created with. Um, synthesizers, and mm. I don't know whatever buttons they press to create that music. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. Um, and I thought to myself, wait, wait, hold on a second. What if we created an amalgamation, like something that, like an alloy that was that re- we replace those synthesizers with my analog electric guitar playing, but cut them together in the production minds of people like Knife Party and Bass Nectar. And I was like, that's a that, that's that doesn't exist. Yeah, that lane's wide open. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um, you know, and then to have a great time collaborating with friends and and artists that I admire. How? What's the learning curve? I mean, uh, starting an album where you're yeah. working in a field of music that yeah. is it yeah. necessarily the learning cur- the learning curve was there was really no learning curve other than that it was like each track kind of found its own way. For example, with the Knife Party guys, I sent them like a. Uh, uh, yeah, riffs and noises and a you know like here's 20 choices of Morellian 
shit and then they would (laughs) and I'm like do with it what you will (laughs) you know and then they would send it back then I could play on top of that then they would send that back and forth and uh, that's different tracks worked in different ways like with Gary Clark Jr. for example who's a tremendous guitarist we just jammed all night in my studio but then took this kind of two hours of sort of random noodlings and cut it into a three minute song that then we put through the you know sort of the the like the new style, you know, sort of guitar riffage, and it sounded something like nothing in his catalog or in my catalog, but it's super rocking. How is it for you? Because, you know, like you said, this is obviously very new stuff for you, but I mean, you've been balancing profit stuff. The yeah, world yeah. is begging for more rage stuff. Sure, like, sure, sure, sure. How can, is it easy for you to just pick these lanes and, okay, I'm working on this today, I can do yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the one thing I've always done, like, uh, you know, since the earliest days of Rage Against the Machine is just kind of march to the beat of my own drummer like i'm not trying to you know it's not trying to make hits it's not trying to please audiences it's trying to make music that feels authentic and feels great and whether it's a you know it's a solo acoustic record or whether it's a big super group avenger style power rock record with prophets of rage or something like this that's completely in some ways sonically outflanks the stuff i've done before that's what makes it's exciting to you know wake up in the morning and be a musician Mm. Mm. i mean it's really interesting to hear sort of the the musical boundaries you're hoping to to push with this record but just turn to the guys um you know earlier on about about the stuff you're doing with prophets uh obviously like a lot of that's quite sort of politically motivated. I mean, mm-hmm. how interested are you with this new album about yeah. what's happening now? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, um, you know, I would sit down with each of the uh, lyrical collaborators of the people that, the vocalists, and talk about what we wanted to talk about. And I wanted there to be, like, my job in this is, I'm a musician, I'm a songwriter, but also a curator of the mm-hmm. events, of the of the experience. And and so we, the, the North Star, the thematic North Star was social justice ghost stories. And we wanted to tell sort of stories of, of the past that inform the present and may shed light on what the future could be. And so you start with that as a starting point, then it was like collaborative and like where you, wherever you want to take that. And like the Wu-Tang guys took it in a direction of police brutality. Um, you know, Marcus Mumford took it in a completely different sort of nuanced direction. Um, LaCaylee, uh, 47, uh, spoke in the voice of, uh, Mexican immigrant, you know, coming across the desert and maybe surviving and maybe not. So anyway, it was a, it was a really interesting starting point, but it ties all the tracks together. Yeah, wow. Way. And just hearing those names just then is such a, yeah, uh, <laughs> such yeah, a variety yeah, of, yeah. of people. I'm really interested in this social justice kind of ghost story yeah. ideas. Like, um, were these, uh, sort of fictional created narratives were you yeah. picking sort of h- uh, historical events and going we're going to yeah. tell this story different uh, I mean it, again it was with it, it, the I wanted to not be overly controlling and let each of the tracks kind of find its own way and not get in the way of the creativity of my collaborative partners, but just to make some suggestions to start off with and to see where they took it. Like, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think like off the top of my head, like Killer Mike wrote a verse from the perspective of like a kid wearing who's targeted by the cops for wearing baggy pants and all of a sudden is in a fight for his life, you know, on, a, in a, uh, on an urban street. And so just sort of wherever the person, you know, took that. And some like... Um, you know, like Gary Clark Jr.'s track just went in a completely different direction that bears little resemblance to the initial conversation we had, but is a banging track that, <laughs> 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 that deserves a hearing. Yeah. So I, like, I, worked out. I like as well that you mentioned, you know, kind of maybe looking into what the future will hold and that straight away reminds me of the Trump reference in the in the Rage video. Sure, yeah. Uh, 
when we're thinking about that, like, is that something you guys just thought, oh, that'll be fun. Let's just mention this. Or are you like, actually Or was this like, this is going to happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to fucking happen. Uh, at the time, it was a joke, but then the joke became a reality. <laughs> yeah. what, what you're talking about is in the, the 1999 Rage Against the Machine yeah. video for Sleep Now in the Fire, yeah. where Michael Moore, who directed the video, had one of the you know actors hold a sign that said Trump for president. <laughs> and, you know... Ha ha! <laughs> what was he doing in '99? Like, was the? I mean, he's been talking about celebrity president. He was a famous rich guy then. You know yeah. I mean, he was a yeah. beauty. He hosted beauty, beauty pageants, pageants yeah. but he was sort of known as a he was sort of a real estate mogul and sure. kind of a guy yeah. that liked the limelight and mm. like yeah. a, occasional doing cameos and yeah, like exactly. Home Alone it sort of, it sort of and stood <laughs> sort of stood for kind of the Wall Street excess. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah totally, totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I can shock us back to to the album yep. for a little while, I mean. Uh, a huge variety of, of collaborators. Mm. Were a lot of these guys just mates of yours beforehand, or were so, there any people you called up? Oh, cold? absolutely. Yeah, there were a couple of cold calls on this. The uh, two of the artists that I disco- like discovered in the process of making the record were Vic Mensa, who's a Chicago and yeah, like, like right. myself. And uh, but I saw him perform at Lollapalooza maybe 2015, 2016, and he just did an, it was an incredible performance. He has a song called 16 Shots. It's about uh, police brutality, a particular case of police brutality in Chicago. And I was just like that dude is a woke dude. And and it just has a tremendous. It just felt to me like this is the next generation of of nuanced, tremendously talented, uh, radical artists. And so I reached out to him, and it turns out, you know, he was a big Rage fan and has like the old school <laughs> T shirt and all that. That helps, uh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And K Flay was another one. I just heard her on the radio. I was actually driving my kids to drive my kids to school, and uh, Blood in the Cut came on, and uh, and I just couldn't believe it. I was just like. Like that's like whoever that is. I waited till the end of it, and I you know went home, and Spotified the song, and it just just found her. It turns out that she's also Chicago area too. So that whenever somebody's from my hometown, they they get a quicker call. <laughs> <laughs> it helps you can get them. Are all these guys working with you in the room, or are you doing uh, some stuff yeah, like correspondence? Uh, different. A lot of it happened at my studio, various Veritas Studios in Los Angeles. People would come over, and you know, just very interested, like you know, sitting there with Jizza talking about astrophysics late into the night, you know, <laughs> and, or with Gary Clark. You know, just jamming into the night, or with you know Marcus and I. You know, he was in he was in England. We both got little kids, so it's kind of like dad skyping. You know, yeah. like in our <laughs> bathrobes. With, you know, yeah. like, for him, it's eight o'clock at night. For me, it's like eight in the morning. We're yeah. sitting there like yeah. writing a song up with acoustic guitars. But I, I mean, I probably should have documented this process. <laughs> yeah. It really was yeah, insa- insane. Insane. Yeah. A pretty but, beautiful image for most rage fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think, yeah. think of yeah, you. But the thing, you know, it's, it, it was very, very key. Like as, as curator of this, to make sure that while there are disparate artists uh, who have a reputation in different areas to make a record that sounds cohesive and is a cohesive whole and like the Atlas Underground is a you know it's a it's a it's a sonic conspiracy you know of our of like-minded artists who are trying to create something that sonically didn't exist before Mm. I mean is it uh is it what you set out to make or it's something yeah well I mean I I let it I let it kind of take it find its own route and not and not um there were there were certain parameters, and that I, it couldn't sound like what I had done before. It couldn't sort of be sort of traditional, you know, morale. I've made fifteen, sixteen records that you know, in the from folk records to hard to hard rock records to rock rap records to Bruce Springsteen records, mm-hmm. um, and I definitely wanted to make sure that it stood outside of that. But but songs found their own way. Like for example, like the Pretty Lights Jam. I went down to uh, I sent him some some like riff ideas and then went down to, he was like you got to come down to new orleans so spent two days in a pot smoke like he like put be real to shame the amount of weed <laughs> <laughs> like where are we who are we what's happening 
you know, and that's with like a bunch of guys like with, you know, twisting effects, pedals, knobs, you know, and it's, it's three days later and, and we've got this sprawling 24 minute song. I'm like, well, that's great, but can we cut it down to four? <laughs> Find me the hot four in that one. And, um, so like each song really found it, found its own way, but it, I'm really, really proud of this record. It's like, it really is something that's, you know, it stands alone and apart from, you know, other things that I've done and without compromising one inch on the political side of it or one inch on the rocking side of it. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's really been your odyssey, kind of the journey. Yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. And it's great that it's kind of come to fruition. So. I mean, if it, if it does kick off in the way that you hope, in the way you yeah. are creating this new sound, I mean, how do you see the next couple of years for you? I mean, obviously, yeah. when we spoke to b and Brad, like, there's a lot of profit stuff going Absolutely. on Absolutely, well. there's yeah. a lot of profit stuff going on. You know, we're working on profits. And that's what a, what a, what a blessing that is, to mm-hmm. be able to rock in many different ways. And that's, <laughs> that's one of the great things about Profits of Rage is that people have, you know, uh, Cypress Hill is an ongoing entity. Brad works on record. Everybody has... Uh, interests outside of the band, and yet we're a family that's going to continue on, you know, pushing forward with profits too. And as we said, to be real, I mean, is it a is it a blessing or a curse that Trump is just giving you so much content to work with? <laughs> well, you know, bad presidents make for great music. Yeah. So that is, uh, <laughs> There's plenty, to write, to, plenty to write about. Plenty exactly. to write about. Yeah. Well, Tom, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. We My cannot pleasure. wait to yeah, hear this. Thanks new very album. much. I'm very excited for everybody to hear it. And uh, I definitely want to. We're also working on elements of the show, which is going to be, again, it's the idea was to do something very non traditional. It's going to be part, right. like, it's going to be a immersive kind of art installation experience rather than a rock show. And Sick. with and really soft, definitely want to definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's on, you know, uh, city is on the Sydney or Melbourne. Uh, one of those cities is going to, we'll definitely get it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Probably to, Sydney, I reckon. The, yeah. the, the, the idea is to set up and play sort of multiple, you know, with, with a sort of small capacity, do like multiple shows in yeah. one city. Yeah. Any year in mind? I'm, I'm just, uh, probably 2019, early 2019. That's sweet. the hope. That's the hope. That's um, it. I'm loving it, man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks very much, and, uh, and best of luck with uh, the rest of your tour. I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers, man. Thanks, man.